0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. So glad that you're here with us today. If you're new, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And today we are ending a series that we've been in over the past number of weeks on the story of Daniel found in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And it's been an amazing uh, series for me. Uh, Hopefully it's been beneficial to to a number of you. Uh, But Daniel is an amazing Old Testament Bible character who God did amazing things through and today I think we're going to see why God did so many amazing things through Daniel's life. And if you're not familiar with him, let me tell you just a little bit about Daniel. He lived about 600 years before the life of Christ and he was a Jew, and, but he spent most of his life as a slave... <laughs> to the kingdoms of Babylon and to the Medes and the Persians. So that'd be modern day Iraq and Iran. So the Babylonian king, King Nebuchadnezzar, came to Israel, defeated them in battle, took most of them back to uh, Babylon to live as slaves. And so Daniel lived most of his life in the context of slavery in a foreign country. And when he entered slavery, he got this amazing opportunity to work for the king. So he went through this special training program and the king said, if you do well, and he told everybody that was in that program, if you do well, you'll be rewarded with power and position within my kingdom. It was a brilliant strategy from King Nebuchadnezzar to help keep the slave nations that he had conquered as slaves. So those young men that would get positions, they would come out of slavery and get positions within his kingdom, they would want to keep their nation As slaves, because they were benefiting from slavery. So Daniel was in that program, and he did very well, and he ended up serving the king. He actually ended up serving four different kings. So he served two kings that were Babylonian kings, and then he ended up serving at least two kings that were from the Medes and the Persians as well when they came and defeated Babylon in battle. So he started serving the kings probably around 17 years of age, and he served these foreign kings all the way up into his 80s. So you can imagine the context of of slavery that that Daniel was in, and the experiences that Daniel had, what he saw over that span of time serving all these different kings in this foreign nation, and God was with him, and God faithfully worked through Daniel because Daniel was very faithful to God. so in this series we 've seen Daniel stand up we 've seen Daniel speak up we 've seen Daniel show up, and today we 're going to watch Daniel pray up and again, I think this is the foundation of Daniel's success in his life, that Daniel had determined to be a person of prayer. And I think this can be one of those foundational things for us where we find favor from God, we find favor from people around us when we determine, like Daniel, to be people of prayer. So here's what I'm gonna need from you today. I'm gonna need all of your spidey senses and your superpowers at work throughout the message, okay? So I need you to stay alert and pay attention to what we're doing because we're gonna be moving throughout the the book of Daniel and looking at some prayer experiences that Daniel has had. And then we're gonna stop in Daniel chapter 10 and we're gonna drill into Daniel chapter 10, this one prayer experience that Daniel had. And I think it has some powerful things for us to learn and know uh, from, from Daniel's experience experience that God wants us to know today. And I think there's some things that God wants to say to us today. So I need you paying attention. I need you listening. Uh, so uh, if you're ready for that, then uh, let's dive in. So in Daniel chapter two, it's actually the very first evidence of prayer that we have in Daniel's life. It's a story that, that I didn't go over in this series so far, just briefly on, on uh, one Sunday. But here's the scenario. So Daniel's working for the king, and he gets the job as one of his advisors. So he's one of the king's advisors, and there's all these other advisors. They're magicians, astrologers, enchanters, fortune tellers, all these people working for the king. And the king had this really bad dream. And so he wants to know what it means. And so he goes to his advisors and get this. He didn't just ask them to interpret the dream. He asked them to tell him what he dreamt. Is that the right way to say that? Dreamt or dreamed? I'm not sure. Um, I, I didn't do real well in English. So, uh, so the, the king went to them and said, listen, I need you to tell me not just what the dream me- means. I need you to tell me what dream I had last night. So imagine how difficult that would be. Imagine you know, walking into to work tomorrow and your boss has had this really crazy dream. Your assignment is to tell me what I dreamt and what it means. And if not, you're fired. Like that was kind of the scenario. But for Daniel, it was you're dead. So it was like really bad. So uh, all the wise men around the king said, like, nobody can do this. Like, it's not even possible. So Daniel finds out like, hey, I've got a death sentence. And like, it's really important for me to figure this out. So in Daniel chapter two, he goes to his friends and it says this, Daniel chapter two, starting in verse 17, says, then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Uh, these are his Jewish friends, what had happened. And he urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret. Do you think if you were in that spot, you'd pray? I would, my my, my prayer life would be at an all-time high. Like if we don't get this one, we're all dead. So let's pray. So he goes home and he says, guys, we got to pray. So they are praying. They're asking God to reveal this secret so they will not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. And that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So Daniel understands what this dream was and then what the dream means. And so he goes to the king and he says, king, Here here it is. In verse 27, Daniel replied, he said, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. So again, get the context. Daniel's staring into the eyes of a pagan king who could easily have him killed. And Daniel looks into his eyes and says, king, understand this. Nobody can do what you're asking, nobody. But there is a God who can. There's a God in heaven who can, who reveals secrets and has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what's going to happen in the future. Now I'm going to tell you your dream and the visions that you had while you were laying in your bed. So Daniel understood that only God can give us the wisdom that we need. Only God could answer the prayer that he had in that moment. Only God could answer any kind of prayer that we have or help us uh, figure out uh, the wisdom that we desperately need in a difficult situation that we're in. So do you believe what Daniel believed? Like, Do you know that God is the source of absolute truth? Is he the person that you turn to when you're in difficulty? When you're in a spot where you're like, God, I need you to show up. I need you to tell me. I need you to help, help me out here in this moment. I, I, like, I need you to work in ways that, that I can't work. Is God the first person that you turn to or the last? Is he the last? Do you, do you turn to other people? Do you turn to your friends and say, what do you think I should do in this scenario? And maybe they give you good advice, maybe they won't. Do you turn to a self-help book? Do you do all kinds of research online, trying to find out like, what are the professionals saying about this? Who or what do you turn to when you're in a difficult moment? Do you and I understand that God is the source of absolute truth? Is God the first person we turn to or the last? I think Daniel would tell all of us that God needs to be the first person we turn to in every situation, in every scenario. We need to turn to God first. So that's what Daniel did. Daniel turned to God and he modeled that for us. Now in Daniel chapter 6... We saw this last week. Daniel was sentenced to the lion's den because, get this, he prayed to God instead of the king. All right, so if you were here with us last week, um, you you remember that Daniel's co workers hated him and that was because he was doing such a good job. He had found favor with God and the king, and the king was about to promote him to the second spot in all of the kingdom, and they didn't like that, so they didn't want to just get him fired. They wanted to get him killed, so they went to the king and used flattery to get the king to sign a law that said, nobody for 30 days can pray to anybody but me as the king. So what did Daniel do when he found that out? Daniel went to his house and prayed. He had multiple options. He could have said, well, I'm not going to pray because I don't want to be eaten by lions. That would be kind of bad. That kind of ruined my day. Um, He he could have said, you know what? I'm just going to fake it. I'm I'm going to act like I'm not praying, but I'm going to pray. So they won't know that. But what did Daniel do? Daniel went home and prayed. It was his regular habit to pray. That Daniel chapter 10 says that he prayed three times a day, in the morning noon and night. And so I wonder for us, you know, I've got to ask myself these questions when I'm reading through somebody's uh, story in the Bible and and I've got to ask it of us as well. Is prayer your first priority or your last resource? Is it the first thing that you lean into? Like, hey, we need to pray about this. Or, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. I've done everything else that I can possibly do. All that's left is prayer. Now I got to be honest with you. I wish that I could say as a pastor that prayer is the first thing I always choose, but it's not always the first thing I choose. There are moments that I do everything else that I think I can do to solve a problem and then sometimes the last thing I think of is prayer and you would think I would think of that first, being a pastor, but I don't always do that and my wonderful wife um, humbles me in more ways than I like to be humbled, Um, but there are many occasions where I'll be talking to her about a scenario and she'll say, hey, did you pray about that? And my honest answer is, No, why do you got to ask that? Like, no, I didn't pray about that. And, you know, she would ask, do you think that'd be a good idea? Since you lead our church, you think it'd be a good idea for us, you know, you to pray, maybe us to pray. Um, And so God works powerfully through my wife in that context of reminding me that, that prayer needs to be my first priority, not my last priority. So in your life, is it your first priority? is it your last? Do you reach for for that first when something difficult comes, a relational issue, a financial issue, a job issue, a a health issue? Do you start talking to God or do you start looking at other places for for wisdom and guidance and, and, and insight? And then do you get to the last spot and go, well, I guess all I can do now is pray. Daniel would say to us, it needs to be our first priority, not our last. Now, in chapter 7 through chapter 12, Daniel has uh, these disturbing visions and dreams, and they're about the future of Israel. They're about the future of humanity. They're, they they're talk about our future as well. So the book of Daniel is a very prophetic book. And so Daniel, as he's uh, having these dreams and these visions about the future, he is deeply disturbed He is very bothered by what he's understanding is going to happen to his people, what's going to happen to the future of humanity. And so he's troubled. In Daniel chapter nine, Daniel is so deeply troubled, he starts confessing his sin. He says, God, I am so burdened by what's going to happen. Like, I just got to tell you, I've been wrong. Like I've been living wrong, wrong ways like I haven't worshipped you the way that I need to worship you. I haven't kept you in the, the right place in my life where I need to keep you. And then he took it a step further and he started confessing the sin of his nation. So he starts confessing the sin of the Israelites. Saying, God, we have not kept you in your proper place. We have not worshiped you. We have worshiped other idols. We have been wrong. We have been sinful. Will you forgive us? And he's begging God for forgiveness. And so when I'm reading through that and I'm watching the influence of prayer in Daniel's life, I gotta start asking myself, like, when was the last time that I just poured out my heart, confessed my sin because I was so deeply grieved over the sin in my life? And then, take it a step further. When was the last time I, when was the last time we, when was the last time you were so deeply grieved by the sin of our nation that that you didn't just sit in judgment over our nation? That's so easy to do. You know, look around at people outside of the faith or outside of the church and say, oh, those bad people, if they would just stop doing those bad things, then, then maybe God would work in our lives again. When was the last time you just were so grieved? that you had to pray to God and say, God, forgive us. I mean, look at us. Like, we've, we've pushed you out of our schools. We're pushing you out of our government. We're pushing you out of our professional lives. We're pushing you out of our private lives. God, forgive us. Listen to what 2 Chronicles says. 2 Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14 says, then if my people who are called by my name so this is God speaking. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Now, just a quick audience participation moment, okay? So in that verse, who needs to humble themselves and pray, seek God's face, and turn from their wicked ways? Who, who needs to do that? We. Okay, we meaning God's people. So it's not the world out there who's not following God's instructions that needs to do that. It's us. Healing of our nation, healing individually, healing of our world is so often contingent upon us confessing our sin and recognizing it as wrong and doing everything we can to fix that and not sit in judgment of other people and say, well, at least my sin is better than their sin. I mean, this isn't a, a, a contest here in that, in that realm. Sin is sin that separates us from God. So the healing of our nation, the healing of our world, the healing individually for us, where does it come from? When we, God's people, will confess our sin and say, God, I've been wrong. We've been wrong. Will you forgive us? So in your life, is there any sin that you need to confess? Is there anything in your life if you're a Christ follower, that you need to say, you know what, that's been wrong. That thing right there has kept me from moving forward in my relationship with God. And you know why sometimes we have unanswered prayer in our lives? Sometimes it's because we have not confessed our sin. Sometimes we're talking to God about this subject. God, I want you to do this this really big thing in my life. And he goes, yeah, like I'd like to do something big in your life, but the big thing is that sin issue I need you to address. That's how I want to work in your life don't ask me to do something else until you're addressing that thing. So is there anything in your life that you need to confess to God? Daniel would say, that's how healing happens on an individual level and on a national level and a global level. So is there anything you need to confess? Now, while Daniel was troubled about these visions and dreams. We get to chapter 10 and Daniel is still very troubled about the the meaning of these dreams and the future and what it means for his nation, what it means for humanity. And so he's deeply troubled. And so we're gonna stop in in chapter 10 and we're gonna look through that for just a moment. So starting in verse uh, one, it says this. In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia. Okay, so just in in case you think that's Billy Ray Cyrus, it's not. Okay. Thanks for kind of laughing at my joke. So Daniel had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events uh, certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So in Daniel's life, when he was in a spot where he desperately needed God to work, when, when he needed an answer, when he didn't understand and he needed God to show up and, and work powerfully in his life, what Daniel would do is not only would Daniel pray, but Daniel would fast. So if you're not familiar with the spiritual discipline of fasting, it's about giving up food in, in some amount or for some length of time to gain something spiritual, so, so get the context of it. It's where we say, you know, I, God, I want to give up something physical to get something spiritual. I want to give up something that's uh, temporary to get something that's eternal, and if you're, again, fami- not familiar with fasting, it can sound like the weirdest thing ever. Like, why would you give up food for any reason? Like, don't we need it to live? Like, that would be important if you w- like, want to live. God wants us to live. But in the context of biblical fasting, it was always about get- setting aside food for some period of, co- of time to say, God, you are so important. You are more important than anything I could ever eat. Like what sustains me spiritually is more important than what sustains me physically. So I'm willing to set aside that physical stuff, some food for a period of time so that I can grow in my relationship with God and demonstrate how important you are to me and how much I want you to work in my life. And so Daniel did this on many occasions in his life. It was just a regular habit for him. And so it's in those moments of difficulty, those moments of of struggle. So for you, for me, if you're in one of those moments or you come to one of those moments where it's just like, you need God to work and you are so desperate for God to work. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe you're having a financial difficulty or a health issue or whatever, I don't know. But you're just in one of those moments where you're just like, God, I'm desperate. Maybe what you need to do is pray and fast. Maybe you need to spend some time fasting. And I, I don't know how long that is. You, know, you could fast a day. You could fast three days. You could fast. There's evidence of fasting. The longest fast in the, in the Bible actually is Moses. He fasted, I think it was, it was 80 days. There, there was two sets of 40 that he did there. I don't recommend that. Um, so don't start out fasting 80 days. I don't think that would go well for you or me. Um, but the, the context of, of fasting is um, God... I don't know what this time frame is, but I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And in this moment, Daniel's fasting for 21 days. If you need more uh, uh, resources on that, if you're curious about fasting on our website, theepicchurch.com, we actually have a fasting preparation guide under our resources tab that can help you learn more about fasting and how uh, to navigate that and get the most benefit out of it. Now, verse four says, on April 23rd, I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River and I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and his feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Now, before you think that Daniel had fasted too long and he's having a hallucination here, let me kind of explain what's going on. So many Bible scholars believe this is known as what is called a Christophany. Okay, this is a, an appearance of Jesus in bodily form in the Old Testament part of the Bible before we knew him as Jesus, showing up in physical form on planet Earth. Now, is this Jesus or is this an angel? I'm not really sure. It sure looks like an encounter that the Apostle John had in Revelation when he had a direct encounter with Jesus himself, Um, but I'm not really sure if this is Jesus or an angel in this moment. And I'll explain why uh, in in just a minute. Now in verse uh, seven, it says, only I, Daniel saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. Now, there could be several reasons why Daniel was the only one who saw this. So he's got other people with him. Daniel has this encounter. Everybody else is afraid. They, they uh, run and hide. They're scared to death. Uh, so one reason that this could have just been Daniel having this experience is because maybe God just said, I'm talking to Daniel and nobody else. So I want to speak directly to you, Daniel. So that could have been the context. And I think God still does that today. I think there's still moments um, where God speaks directly to people. One of the things I love about uh, talking with people after services is there are moments that somebody will come up and say, wow, like God spoke directly to me. I don't know if he's speaking to anybody else, but he spoke directly to me. And they'll tell me something that God said. And I'm like, well, I didn't say that in the service. That wasn't me. I mean, that, you know, that wasn't what I was teaching God directly said something to you, maybe used something that spurred another thought, but God spoke directly to you. So I think that still happens today where God just shows up and says, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to anybody else. I'm not talking to your parents. I'm not talking to your kids. I'm not talking to your friends. I'm not talking to your spouse. I'm talking to you. And so there are moments I think God shows up and says, I'm only speaking to you in this specific moment. Now, uh, another reason that, that Daniel was the only one that saw this could be, Daniel was the only one that's been looking. Daniel was the only one that was fasting and praying. Daniel was the only one spending his time begging God to show up and speak. And so I think sometimes uh, when God shows up and speaks powerfully, sometimes I think he does that for people who have been looking and asking and begging and expecting and waiting for God to show up. And there are moments, I think we all ask the question, well, why didn't I have an experience like that? Why hasn't God spoke to me powerfully like that? Or, or why, when I'm reading the Bible, doesn't it stand out to me like that? And I think there are, the, the reason can be at times because we aren't reading enough. We aren't praying enough. We aren't begging God enough to work powerfully in our lives. We aren't expecting enough For God to work. And this happens to me many times. I think sometimes I miss out on what God wants to do in my life because I am so focused on my problem and not God solving my problem. Anybody else do that? Or is that just me? There are moments like I just get so zeroed in on this is my problem. This is my problem. What am I going to do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then God comes along and goes, hey, bonehead, talk to me. Like, you need to be talking to me, looking to me. Like, I'm bigger than your problem. Why are you so focused on that little thing? It'll be gone tomorrow. And guess what? You'll be focused on another problem. You need to be focused on me. So for us, like, where's your perspective? Is it on your little problem? Or is it on God and, and asking God to show up and asking God to work? There are moments that those are the people who see God at work, are the people who are looking and reading and begging and searching for God to powerfully work in their lives. Now, after Daniel had this experience, this encounter with either Jesus or this angel, he faints and he's laying uh, flat on the ground, uh, like face down, like almost like a dead man. And verse 10 says, just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and my knees. Now, There's this perspective that many of us have about God and this perspective is God is always trying to hold me down, never help me. God's God's trying to make life more difficult. God's not reaching his hand out to help me up. He's reaching his hand out to push me farther down or hurt me or condemn me or make life difficult. But that's not true. God's hand is always extended to lift us. Here's what we all need to understand. Romans 8 says this, God is for you. He's not against you. He's for you. And so his hand is extended to lift you up and out. That doesn't mean you're not gonna go through difficulty. We will go through difficulty. But God's hand is extended to lift us up and out of those difficult moments and to make us stronger followers of Jesus. So God extends his hand to help us. So are you receiving it? Are you grabbing it? Are you allowing him to help you up and out of your situation? Romans chapter eight, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible starts with this verse. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no condemnation for you. There's no condemnation. God is not reaching his hand out to hold you down and to condemn you. His hand is extended to lift you. God is for you, not against you. All right, so verse 11, and the man, so either Jesus or this, this angel, said to me, here's what I want us to do. I want us to read this verse together, and um, we're going to read the, the quote part of it, and when uh, the first part says Daniel, so what I want you to do is I want you to put your name in that spot. And then we're going to read all of it together. So I'm going to put my name there. I think God is speaking this to all of us today. So um, your name in that spot, and then we'll read it all together. Okay, so here we go. Ready? As the man said to me, Trent, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard that before but I think God wants to tell us that today, remind us of that today. And, and for some of you, this might be your part of the service. This may be the one thing you hear, and you may not hear anything after this, but you need to know that you are so valuable to God. You are valuable to God. Some people don't feel that way. I talk to some people about church, coming to church, and there are moments that people say, you know, like, I don't know if you want me to come to church. Like, I haven't been to church in a long time, or I've done some really bad things. I'm afraid, like, God will punish us all, and the building will fall down if I go to your church. And uh, I, so far, six and a half years uh, doing church here at Epic um, the building hasn't fallen down yet, so um, just in, you know, want to encourage you. You know, if you know people who feel that way, invite them to, to come to church. And so often we have this perspective that that God just he, he wants to hurt us. He doesn't. He's not all that excited about us. You know, like we're not really on his radar. Who's he excited about? You know, the people who who are religious leaders or professional Christians. You know, God's super excited about them, but he's not super excited about me. That's not true. You are valuable. You are precious to the creator of the universe. And God loves you kind of like a parent loves their newborn baby. And my wife and I've had four kids. And you know, it's funny, like when these kids came out, like I didn't have to figure out how to love them. I mean, it was, it was natural. It was instinctual. It was, wow, look at you. Your combination of, of me and your mom. And I see your mom in, in you. And I, I see a little bit of me. You're bald. Like, that's me. <laughs> like, oh, wow. How awesome is that? I mean, I mean, they're so cute. I mean, you look at him like, what do you do? You eat, you poop, and you drink. Like, that's it. What, what, what do you do? Like, what do you, what can you do for me? Like, nothing. I love you. I would die for you. You're that valuable. So God looks at you and says, like, I've created you and I love you. Like, what do you do? You eat, you poop, you know? (laughs) You beg me to do stuff, you know? Like, I love you. Now, get the context between us and humanity and God and his love for us. Like, it's a little different. So when I come to to this, like, it gets difficult for me because I go, like, I know a lot of you and uh, a lot of you are very valuable to me, but I wouldn't say you're precious to me. No offense um, or anything. Um, But with my four kids, I might die for you you know, like something weird happened and terrorists came in and, you know, I, w- I might jump in front of that bullet for you in front of the gun. Take the bullet. I would never push my kid out for you. No offense, but I wouldn't do that. But God did. God did. He said, you are so valuable. I'm going to allow my son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. Now get the context of this for Jesus. Jesus in that moment wasn't going, darn it, like why why didn't the Holy Spirit get that role? Like why do I have to go die for them? Like that's terrible, you know? Jesus wasn't doing that. Jesus went like, I'll go, I'll do that. They are so incredibly valuable. I will take the sin of the world on my shoulders as if I had committed those sins and I will die a death. They should die. Why? Because they're valuable, Maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe you've never fully embraced it. But God wants us to understand it. And God wants us to live from that reality. You are valuable. You're precious to the creator. Verse 12. Then he said, Don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come to answer your prayer. So the first moment Daniel began to pray, God heard his prayer because he's valuable. So the first moment that you begin to pray... God hears your prayers. It's so amazing that our prayers are heard in heaven. I don't know if you feel insignificant about that, but there are moments I do. I'm like, God, why would you like want to hear my prayers? And God says, because you're valuable. I want to hear your prayers. I want to talk to you. It's a conversation that goes back and forth. I-, I want you to talk to me. So God wants to hear our prayers. The first moment that we begin praying is the moment that our prayers are heard in heaven. Now, verse 13 and 14 is gonna get uh, either a little weird or it's gonna get really cool based upon your perspective, okay? So yeah, let's look at verse 13, it says, but, this is again uh, Jesus or the angel speaking, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and he brought me an extra lightsaber and I whipped it out. Sorry, Star Wars fans, like, okay. Sorry, that's not what happened, but it's a little sci-fi-ish. So I said, uh, I, he came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Now, there are a few things that we need to understand from those two verses. Uh, number one, sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers right away. Have you ever noticed that? Like sometimes you pray and God doesn't respond right away and you pray again and God doesn't respond right away and you keep praying and God doesn't respond right, right away. I don't know about you, but it's kind of irritating to me because I have a time clock. I have like a certain amount of time that I think God should work in my life and if it's past 10 minutes, I'll get a little irritated. Like God, where are you? I've been praying for 10 whole minutes. What's going on? Are you out to lunch? What's happening? Please, like you need, if I'm that valuable to you, then I need you to show up in my world right away when I ask you to show up. I need you to do something. So sometimes God doesn't respond right away. Sometimes there's something else going on. So uh, Jesus or the angel said, Daniel, for 21 days, I was blocked. Now, does anybody remember how long Daniel had been fasting and praying in verse two? Three Three whole weeks. How long is three weeks? 21 21 days. Okay, so the very first moment Daniel started praying, God responded and God was at work. God was working the very first moment. Can you imagine if, if Daniel would have been like, been praying like two weeks, like 14 days, like, I'm just gonna give up. God's not working. God's not working. No, like Daniel understood there's something going on behind the scenes. Maybe God's doing something else that I have no idea about. So no matter how long you've been praying, whether it's a day or a week or, or 21 days or 21 years, it doesn't matter. Daniel would say, keep praying, don't stop praying. God is at work. God is is, as much at work the first day as as the 21st day. God is working. So you don't understand what's happening behind the scenes. You have no idea how God might be doing something in somebody else's life to orchestrate everything to happen in his perfect moment for multiple people. So don't stop praying just because you feel like, I've prayed long enough, and God just doesn't seem to be working. Keep praying. Now, the second thing that we need to understand from that Uh, those two verses is uh, there's a spiritual warfare happening all around us all the time that most of us don't know anything about. Spirit Prince of Persia is another way to say fallen angel, is another way to say demon. Okay, so I don't know what your thoughts are on demons or angels, and maybe you think, ah, oh, that's a little Halloweenish. I'm not so sure I'm into that. I understand. I get that. Everybody's got all kinds of perspectives with that. Uh, here's what I feel like is two extremes, two dangers when it comes to uh, demons and angels. One is for the demon part is when Christians give them too much credit, and that happens a lot. I mean, I see Christians like they're afraid to to walk anywhere for fear a demon's going to jump out from behind a bush. Like that's not what God wants for us. That's not how God wants us to live. The second is to say, eh, I, don't, I don't believe in him. That's what Satan wants. He wants us not to believe in him. So we gotta be careful in the context of what we understand of, of demons and angels, spiritual warfare. There is a real spiritual battle that's happening around all of us all the time. And if our eyes could be open to see that, I think we would be scared to death. I think part of what God does for us is he keeps that veil up so that we can't see all that stuff and, and see all the battles that are happening around us. But there is a battle happening around you every day. There's a battle happening around the people that you love every day. There a real battle between real beings, fallen angels, and angels who have not turned away from God. Now, here's why I'm not fully convinced this is Jesus in this encounter. So there there are two types of beings in the universe. There are divine beings, and then there are created beings. So divine beings are like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There are only three divine beings. That's the Holy Trinity. Every other being is a created being. Angels, humans, animals, uh, they're all created. So I'm not fully convinced that this is Jesus in this moment. Why? Because Jesus is divine. Jesus would not need help from anybody to battle a little pesky demon from Persia. He wouldn't. This is the second member of the Holy Trinity. This is the creator of the universe, the one who created Satan. And we have this weird perception sometimes that we see, okay, in in the spiritual realm, there's God, and then there's Jesus, and then there's Satan. And Jesus and Satan are kind of warring against each other and they're kind of equals. That's not true. That's not biblically accurate. Jesus is God. And so he doesn't need any help the battle of demon at all. So we need to understand that when we pray, we have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Do you understand how profound that is? God invites us into that relationship. So I want you to have a relationship with me. I want to empower you. I want to work through you. I want to help you and so as we talk to God through prayer, we are able to see the, super, the, the natural strength of man turned into the supernatural power of God. That's what God says is available to you. And we've got to learn how to have a relationship with God to see God work powerfully through prayer in that context. Now, here's the thing about prayer. It's not about getting from God. It's about getting more of God. That's what it's about. It's a a relationship. It's communication. That's what prayer is about. It's not like this secret code and I can get power. It's not about that. It's about tapping into the power that God makes available to us through our relationship with him. Now, I don't know where you are in uh, your experience with prayer. a, A group this size Um, There can be people who have like never prayed before, but I honestly think we all pray, even if you don't believe in God, like what are our prayer moments? Please don't let me get caught. Please don't let me get a ticket. Please don't let her find out. Please, you know, like in those moments, we're all praying. Uh, We may not know who we're praying to, but we all pray. So maybe you're in that spot, like you're not, uh, don't know a whole lot about prayer. Don't do that a whole lot. Maybe you're all the way up to where you pray all the time. Uh, Wherever you are in that spectrum, uh, uh, what do you need to do today? One of the things that God wants for you and me is to learn how to have a strong, vibrant prayer life, a a relationship with the creator of the universe where we talk to him every day and we're able to see God do powerful things in us. So what do you need to do? Maybe if you're new, maybe you need to commit to learning how to pray. The best way to learn how to pray is to pray, is to actually practice And uh, I've got on our uh, spiritual growth challenge, we've got some resources that can help you in that. There's some book resources you can read more about prayer. Um, There's some Bible verses that you can read about prayer. And my encouragement to you, if you're like brand new, is to just start, just start praying, start talking to God. And and it's a communication, it's talking to God, it's listening to God, it's it's a two-way street. So I encourage you to begin the process of learning. Um, Maybe you're in a difficult spot. And maybe you've been praying and tempted to believe that God isn't listening. You've prayed for, I don't know, a long time for you. And you're just like, wow, like why do I keep praying? Nothing seems to be working. And I I want to encourage you today, don't stop. Don't quit. I mean, Jesus talked to his disciples and and told them this parable uh, in Luke chapter 18 and said, I want you to always pray and never give up. That's the whole point of the parable is to keep praying. Even when you feel like God isn't working, keep praying. God is always at work. Maybe in your difficult situation, maybe you need to add fasting to it. Maybe you just need to commit to a day of fasting or to a week of fasting or just learning what it means to fast on a a regular basis in your life. Or maybe today you need to confess something. Maybe there's some sin issue in your life and you know it. And you know it's keeping you from the relationship with God that you desperately desire. So maybe today is that day. It's that moment where you say, you know what? I've been wrong. I'm deeply grieved over my sin, over what I have done, over what I am doing. And maybe you need to confess that and you need to get right in your relationship with God. Listen to what 1 John 1 says. It says, if we confess our sins to him, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. From that stuff that we do that hurts our relationship with God, God goes, like when we confess it, he wipes it clean and he says, it's time for a do-over. Do I get second chances? Yep. How about third? Yep. How about a hundredth? Yep. How about a thousandth? Yep. It's dependent upon us coming to God and saying, God, I blew it again. Will you forgive me? So do you need to confess anything today? What about confessing the sin of our nation? If you've never done that before, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to to begin uh, praying for our nation and not sitting in a seat of judgment saying, well, if those bad people start, you know, realizing there's a God, then maybe God will do something in our world. No, it starts with us saying, God, forgive us for the sins that we have committed. So I don't know where you are in your prayer journey or what God may want you to do, but I encourage you to take that step and learn to be people of prayer like Daniel. Now in just a minute, our worship team is gonna come out and they're gonna close us out in a song that we've been singing throughout the series called The Stand. And what we're gonna do in this is we're gonna give you actually a a prayer moment. So the first part of the song is just gonna be instrumental. And uh, during that time, what I encourage you to do is talk to God about whatever you need to talk to him about. Whatever it is, just begin that conversation. Uh, start talking to God. If you need to confess something, if you need to talk about starting a relationship with Him, like whatever you need to do, use that time frame for that. And then the second part of the song, Evan's going to invite us all to stand together. And what I encourage you to do, if you're in that spot where, where you've determined, like, I need to live like Daniel, like, I want to see God do powerful things in my life like He did in Daniel's life, if you're in that spot, what I encourage you to do is when you stand, turn this song into a prayer. And turn it into a declaration where you say, God, like this is my day, this is my moment. Like whatever's happened in the past is the past. I'm confessing my sin and I'm begging you, Lord, to work powerfully in my life. And I'm deciding right now that I will live like Daniel the rest of my life. So I encourage you to turn this song into a prayer as we close today. So let's pray and then we'll pray and sing together. God, thank you for the influence of Daniel in, Lord, my life and our lives. Uh, Daniel is such an amazing Bible character. I'm so encouraged by him and, and watching how he lived in a very difficult situation. Uh, Lord, where he's, he's forced to, to live in a foreign land serving foreign kings, and yet he handled that so beautifully. Lord, he stood up for you He spoke up for you, and then he would show up doing what he knew he needed to do, and then he would pray up. He was just a man of prayer, and what an incredible example for all of us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us when it comes to prayer, take that next step in learning how to talk to you on a daily basis. So Lord, there are some of us here today, like we're just at the beginning of that and need to learn how to have a relationship with you, how to have a regular conversation with you. I pray that you'd help those people Help those people understand what it means to talk to you on a daily basis. Lord, there's other people here that they've been praying for a long time. They haven't really seen you at work and they're tempted to give up. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't. I pray that today would be that encouragement to say, keep going. Don't stop, keep praying. And Lord, maybe there's somebody here today that needs to confess a sin. You love it when we come to you and just say, God, I was wrong. Forgive me. So Lord, I pray that they would understand 1 John 1, 9 so powerfully that you wipe away that sin and you give them a do-over. And Lord, maybe some of us just need to start confessing the sin of our nation and begging you to forgive us as a whole and to come and heal our land. So Lord, whatever we need to do, I pray that you would guide us powerfully in that. And I pray, Lord, that we would learn how to stand like Daniel, that we would learn how to speak like Daniel, we would learn how to show up consistently like Daniel, and we would be people of prayer like Daniel. In Jesus' powerful name we pray this. Amen.
1: Well, good morning. Welcome to Epic. We are so glad that you are here with us this morning. My name is Sarah, and have a few announcements for us this morning. First of all, if you are a guest, we're so glad you're here. We would love to meet you personally and give you some information about who we are as Epic. So if you would swing by the Connection Center on the other side of the curtain on your way out, we'd love to meet you. Well, we have a community group experience underway, which is an awesome way to get connected with other people and get connected into a community group. Because we believe that life change best happens in circles rather than rows. And today is the second week of our five-week community group experience at Palm Coast Community Church. We have groups for men, for women's, and for women and for couples. So we'd love for you to join us this afternoon at four o'clock at PC3, and there is child care provided for grade and below. We also have another community group experience starting up in March, which is the first time we've done this, and we're very excited about a six-week business group experience, because some of you have been designed specifically for business. Some of you own your own company, want to start your own company, or are self-employed. And this would be a great opportunity for you to get connected with other business people and be able to learn some great business principles. You're going to be going through Dave Ramsey's book, Entree Leadership, which is a step-by-step guide to help take you from your business from where it is now to where you want it to go. And there'll also be opportunity to unpack those principles in small groups as well. That starts up on Wednesdays. The first day is March 16th from 7 to 8.30. You can sign up and get more information online or in the back after the service. Well, this Saturday at, um, on March 5th, we're going to have a fun opportunity for families. It's our epic kids' drive-in night. We're, we're going to come together, build some cars out of, out of cardboard boxes, and then watch a movie together. So kids and families, come on out Saturday night at 5.30 here to Buddy Taylor for that. Well, thank you so much for bringing in so much food for the food drive this month to help support Grace Community Food Pantry and local Flagler families. The first service brought in over 50 bags this morning, and there are a bunch more over there. So thank you so much. Today is the last day for the food drive. Thank you for being for Flagler families. At Epic, we are all about leading people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you would like to join with us in helping to introduce people to Jesus and helping people grow in relationships and create environments where we can do that, there are a couple ways that you can financially partner with us. You can do so through the giving boxes behind each of the seeing sections or online at theepicchurch.com. Well, we have an amazing group of volunteers who help set up and tear down this area and our student and kids' environments each week. And last week, during our breakdown time, one of our volunteers tripped and fell and injured her leg. So we want to take a minute and pray for her um, and for her quick recovery. And because we have so much setting up and tearing down and converting this from a school to a church, back to school each week, there's lots of benches and equipment. So let's all remember to watch our step as we're walking around. Would you join with me in praying for Pam this morning? Father, thank you so much for our amazing volunteers who serve so faithfully week after week and setting up and tearing down and kids areas and so many different areas to help create environments that we get to enjoy at Epic, God. And thank you for Pam, who has served so faithfully. And God, I do pray that you would heal her body. I pray it would be a quick recovery. I pray her leg would heal well. Lord, I pray you would give her your peace, too, and her family's peace, just in this unexpected thing that happened to her. But would you um, just walk with them through this, Father? And I pray as we learn this morning from the message, I pray that we would be challenged. I pray that we would put into our lives what we are challenged with and what we learn. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.